Ephesians chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 10, and we'll read through the rest of the chapter. It says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and put in, uh, and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. He says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. And pray for me. That utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And then Paul gives sort of his farewell. He says, but that you also may know my affairs and how I'm doing. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister to the Lord, will make all things known to you. Whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs, and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Title this message, if you take notes, Fit to Fight. Fit to fight. Let's pray, and then we'll talk about it. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We ask that you would speak to us now through it. And as we talk about this, this armor that we're supposed to wear in order to stand as a follower of you, God, we pray that you would help us to understand it and help us to live it. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This, in the last two weeks, um, I learned two new sports. Two new sports in the last two weeks. Pretty crazy. The first one um, is called racquetball. You ever heard of racquetball? Um, basically, you play in like a big white room, like a ceiling and walls, and there's like a little blue ball, and uh, you just use your racket, and you whack that ball as hard as you possibly can, and you're supposed to hit the front wall. It's this whole thing. But anyways, racquetball. And um, in racquetball, there's a certain sort of attire that you wear and tools that you use to play Racquetball. I brought it for you in case you didn't know. Um, you've got obviously the racket for racquetball, and you're supposed to wear this around your wrist. Um, I think in case you get frustrated and you throw your racket, it doesn't go very far. You know what I mean? So you got uh, the racket, and then the key piece for the racquetball is the glasses. You know what I'm saying? You gotta have, if I can get them on. The glasses, right? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Whole service. We're going. Well, maybe we'll do this. This is what the cool guys do. So you got. So you got racquetball. It's a fun game, and you need the proper, the proper tools to play. I also learned another game this week. It's called underwater hockey. Underwater hockey, and. Uh, it is as crazy as it sounds. So there's about, uh, there was 12 of us in this pool. Um, it was about four feet deep. 
and then uh, it, you have this little tiny stick. I don't have one of the sticks. I wish I did. It, it's like this long, uh, uh, you know, about eight inches long, and you hold it, and you've got a glove, and your goal, kind of like hockey, is to swim this puck into the goal. And uh, like racquetball, you also have equipment. Want to see some of the equipment that you use uh, for racquetball? I mean, not racquetball, for underwater hockey. Obviously, you got to have your flippers. <laughs> you, you can't swim very fast without your flippers. So you got your flippers here. And then uh, you got the stick, and then you got your, your snorkel and your mask. You know what I'm saying? Snorkel and your mask. This is, now, this is not for racquetball. This is for underwater hockey. And then also, you have this very strange-looking, oh, those are the flipper socks. Um, very strange-looking, oh, those are the flipper socks. Um, you've got this very strange Hulk-like <laughs> glove that you wear for uh, underwater hockey. And the reason for this glove is because uh, when you're holding the stick, you kind of scrape your fingers across the bottom of the pool in order to push the hockey puck, thank you, um, as fast as you can. So this is kind of protected, and you're scraping your hands against the bottom of the pool. What do you think? Pretty cool, right? <laughs> so uh, anyways, the reason I bring this up is because for each sport, I'm going to take this stuff off now. Thank you for the... I have to wear this stuff, right? The, the proper outfit for the right sport. Now, if I showed up to racquetball wearing my flippers and my scuba gear and my weird Hulk-like glove, I would not be ready for racquetball. And if I showed up to water hockey wearing just these goggles and having this racket, I, it'd be useless. You see what I'm trying to say? There's the right outfit, the right tools in order for the game. And the reason I bring this up is because the Apostle Paul is telling us the outfit we need in order to face the attacks of the enemy. Because as a follower of Jesus, and if you're going to walk with God, you need to realize that there is a very real enemy of the Christian, somebody that wants to keep you from ever experiencing the plans and purposes that God has for you. He's very real. The Bible says uh, in, in 1 Peter that he, ro he, he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That there's an enemy, a hater of the Christian, that his goal is to keep you from ever walking with God. And so the Apostle Paul, he tells you, hey, listen, because there is this enemy, you need to be prepared for the fight. And so he tells us that there is armor, there is a wardrobe that you need to wear in order to be ready for the fight. And he tells us a couple of things of how we can be ready for that fight. The first thing we need to be is we need to be protected. We need to be protected. You can write that down. And he gives us a few things that we need to be protected in. The first thing, and the most of the armor that he brings up is sort of defense armor. Defense. Not, not for the strike, but really to be protected. And the first thing he tells us is that we need, to be, we need to protect our feelings. Protect our feelings. He says there uh, in verse 14, he says, he says, take up the whole armor of God. And then he says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Uh, another idea of waist would be the stomach. <laughs> 
He says, gird your, your, your stomach, your abs here with truth. And in their culture, they would consider not, you know how we consider our heart like the center of our feelings? Like we think like follow your heart and in other words like follow your feelings and we have butterflies. But really, don't you feel those things in your stomach? Like it's in your gut? Like when you're nervous about something, you, you, you feel it here in your stomach. And so in their culture, when they would talk about the stomach, they would talk about the bowels or the guts, like their, their, their stomach, their insides, like where they feel emotions. And so the Apostle Paul, he says, gird your stomach, gird your waist, he says, with truth. Because one of the things you need to understand about the enemy is that he is going to attack your feelings. He's going to make you feel some kind of way. <laughs> He's going to attack you, and, and most of the times, those feelings come in extremes. Extremely good, where we're like, everything's amazing, and what happens when we're, things are feeling extremely good, we think, I don't need God right now. Life is great. I'm getting by. Everything's wonderful. Like, this is the, this is the best of my, this is amazing. And what happens is when things are great, we just tend to forget about God. I don't need him. Extremes. And also the enemy will attack in the complete opposite with incredible lows where, where we feel anxiety or depression or, or, or jealousy or whatever it is. And the enemy wants to attack your feelings because if he can get you to feel whatever kind of way he wants you to feel, he will get you preoccupied with other things, missing out on what God has for you and able to attack you in that setting. So he says you need to gird your waist with, what does he tell us? Truth. Truth. Listen, truth over feelings. What I mean by that is oftentimes we make our feelings our absolute truth. Like, I feel this, and so this is the truth. <laughs> this is what matters because I can feel it. And what the Apostle Paul says is you need, to, you need to protect yourself, and the way you protect your feelings is by knowing what is the actual truth. And so when you, feel, when you feel broken or you feel depressed and you feel like nobody likes you and you feel like life is just terrible, the truth is God loves you. God has a plan for you. You're not alone. He's there for you. And no matter what you're going through, the truth is God is still there for you. And so he says you need to protect your feelings by focusing on what is truth. The th second thing he tells us is that we need to not only protect our feelings but also protect our heart. There in verse, uh, the second half of verse 14, he says, Gird your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The idea of breastplate of righteousness is to protect your heart. Your heart is sort of the core of who you are. And when we talk about the heart, we, we kind of mean everything that is me. You know what I'm saying? Like when you say like my heart or I feel this or I'm thinking about this or I'm following my heart, like that's... That's what our culture does. That's what we encourage you to do. Like, follow your heart. And what, wherever it leads you, like, it'll be wonderful. And the Bible says kind of the opposite. It says the heart is wicked above all things. Like, who can know it? So translation, don't follow your heart because your heart is kind of a mess. But what happens when you place faith in Jesus is the Bible says you become a new creation. You have a new heart. You have a new identity. You have a new core of who you are. But there's this reality where the enemy wants to attack who you think you are or who you, you are. 
and your heart is beyond even what people see or what you say or what you show people, your heart can be the core of who you are. And the devil wants to break and corrupt your heart and give you a false sense of identity. The Bible gives you a new heart. Jesus gives you a new heart, a new identity, a new calling, a new purpose. And the devil wants to sort of minimize who you are in Christ. The enemy wants to say, uh, you are only as good as your grades are. Or the enemy wants to say, you are only as capable or you're only as worth as much as your paycheck is. And you're only as liked as however many likes you get on the last post on Instagram. And so the devil wants to make your identity something so much less than what God has made you. But when he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness, protect your heart, and he tells us how to do it with righteousness. Now, the righteousness that he talks about is not your righteousness. It's not your ability. He doesn't say protect your heart with just being a better person. The idea of righteousness is God's righteousness, what Christ has made you. And so he says, protect your heart by recognizing and believing that you are and your identity is who God has said you are. Not minimizing it to whatever, whatever other thing might say about you. And so he says, protect your heart. Thirdly, he tells you to protect your future. Protect your feelings, protect your heart. But then he also says, protect your future. The devil is going to attempt to derail your future. Look at verse 15. He says, and, so he's, first he tells us, put on the, the belt of truth. He says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. And then he says, and having shod your feet or covered your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The devil wants to derail your future and he will do it by getting you really preoccupied or, or focused on and going in the wrong direction through distraction. He, the, the enemy, what he wants to do in order to derail your future is to get you going in the wrong direction, and he'll do that through distraction. And so Paul tells us the direction we need to go. Very clear. He says, on your feet, make sure you are wearing the preparation of the gospel. Now, the gospel, that's a, that's a church word. I'm sure you don't use that all the time, like in Math class, right? Gospel and math class, probably not. Um, the idea of the gospel is the, the message. It, literally, the, the word gospel translated would be good news. That's all it means. It's good news. And that good news is that Jesus desperately loves sinful people so much that he willingly left heaven, came to earth, that if you would just recognize who he is and what he's done, you will have new life in Christ. That's the gospel, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, for your sins, and rose again that we can have life with God. He says, so, so cover your feet with the preparation of the gospel. Translation, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every single person that you encounter. That's a quote from Jesus. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. That's what Jesus said. And so what Paul is saying is your direction, your direction is going everywhere with the message of Jesus Christ. What the enemy wants to do is he wants you distracted so that you go in the wrong direction. Distracted with what college is most important. Distracted with what am I going to do with the rest of my life. 
distracted with this relationship, distracted with this hobby, distracted with this thing, distracted, and now we're going in the wrong direction. Now, God can use all of those things when we're serving him and bringing the gospel into those things. But when those things become the focus of our life and that determines the direction that we're going, we are now not covering our feet with the gospel. We're going in a random direction that the enemy's trying to get us to go in. And so he says, you need, to, you need to cover your feet with, I like calling them the good news shoes, right? Cover your feet with the gospel so that you can go in the direction that God wants you to go. So he tells us, you got to protect your feelings. You got to protect your heart. You got to protect your future. And then fourthly, you got to protect your mind. He tells us there in verse 17, he says, and take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. So he's got something to cover our feelings, our stomach, our waist. He's got something to cover our heart, our identity, who we are. He's got something to cover our feet. And then finally he says, you got to protect your head. <laughs> your brain helmet, right? you got to protect your mind, he says. <clears throat> and he says, the helmet of salvation. And you can expect the devil to attack your mind. He'll do it through discouragement. He'll do it through doubt. He'll do it through pride. He'll do it through jealousy. Anything that causes your eyes and your thoughts to lose focus from Jesus. The enemy is going to attack your mind. Whenever you're laying in bed at night and you're thinking like, man, maybe, maybe this whole God thing is kind of like not that real. Or do you know what? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe living my life following the Bible, I, other people just seem to have more fun. Or, or maybe like, do you know what, that person's been a jerk, and so um, I think I'm just going to be a jerk back. That just seems like the easiest thing to do. And the enemy will come in and attack your mind. You, all s sorts of thoughts and ideas and, and, and ambitions and pride and jealousy and all of these things. The enemy will attack your mind to keep you from experiencing what God has for you. And so he says, you've got to put on the helmet of salvation. In other words, God has redeemed your mind. God has changed who you are and what you should think about and the direction your life is going and the purpose that you think you have. God has changed all of that. He's given you a new heart and a new mind and a new identity and a new life. And so you need to protect your mind with who God has said you are. Protect it, he says, with salvation. Knowing who you are in Christ, what he's done, security through salvation. And the devil, you've got to understand, will attack your emotions, your heart, your future, and your mind. So you've got to be protected. But not only should you be protected, point number two, you should also be prepared. You've got to be prepared. Because I think a lot of these things, most of, the, or at least these first lists that he's given us, he's given us the ability to run. He's given our waist, like, protection. And I think the idea of, like, a belt is hopefully to have something on your belt. And then a breastplate, like, you've got something to protect your chest. And then the helmet, something to protect your mind. So if you're in a battle with those things, you will be able to run and you'll be able to hide. And that's it. Right? And that is not the life of the Christian. God doesn't want you to just, like, okay, so you got to protect your feelings and your heart and your future and your mind. So do you know what we should do? We should just, like, build a bomb shelter and hide. 
Like we should just stock up on LaCroix and maybe some gummy bears and whatever else we think we need. And we're just going to hide out until all of this craziness is over. All right, let's do it. No, no, we need to be protected, but we also need to be prepared. And he gives us two things that are not just shields for us, but they're weapons for us. Two things. He tells us the word of God and he tells us prayer. He says the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. All of a sudden, you've got something on your belt. All of a sudden, your belt's not just for show. Like, yeah, I got this belt. What do you think? No, no. Now, all of a sudden, your belt has something on it. It's got a sword. It's got the word of God. The word of God is a weapon. Because listen, when the, when the devil attacks your feelings and you think your feelings are truth, well, the word of God is the actual truth and you combat your feelings with truth. And when the devil attacks your, your, your heart and you're thinking, man, maybe I am just, maybe I am just what people say about me. And then you go, wait a second, what does the word of God say about me? And you see your identity laid out for you in the word of God. And when you're like, man, I kind of just think that my own ambitions and dreams and desires are the most important thing. And then the word of God says, well, actually, this is the best life you could live. This is the abundant life, the, the, the filled life that God wants you to have. You find it in his word. When your mind, all of the answers, all of the ways we combat the attacks of the enemy is found in his word. And he says, you need the word of God in your life. That is your sword. That is your weapon. But he says, not just the word of God, but also prayer. How many of you know that prayer is a weapon in your life? That we have access to God. The Bible says that we can go boldly into the throne room of God. And in it, we will find grace to help and mercy to heal. That you have access through prayer to just say, God, help me. Give me victory over this. Give me strength in this situation. Give me boldness to share with this person. Help me in every situation I'm in. You have access to pray to God. And listen, you don't need to have to like have this great ability to articulate prayers. Like you don't need to be like, our Father who art in heaven, God, thy need is helping me. So, like, you don't need that. Just go, God, I need your help. God, this person is being difficult. Help me show love to them. God, I'm struggling in this area. Would you just give me strength to overcome it? God, I'm feel, I feel afraid. I know I'm supposed to live better and, and live out my faith to the people around me. But, God, I'm just afraid. Would you give me strength and boldness? Listen, you need to be prepared. And you're prepared with God's word. And you're prepared through prayer. Final thought and worship team, you guys can come up here. Not only do you need to be prepared, not only do you need to be protected, but you also need to be powerful. Be powerful. Look again at verse 10. It's the verse that we started with. I love this verse. He says this, finally, my brethren, listen, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Listen to the same verse. It's on the screen uh, in the message translation or the message paraphrase. It says it like this. And that about wraps it up. I love that. Instead of finally, that about wraps it up. He says, God is strong, and he wants you to be strong. God is strong, 
and he wants you to be strong. He tells us to be strong. Now, I read this verse, Ephesians 4, excuse me, 6, verse 10, and he says, be strong in the Lord. And I'm like, that's a, that's a great thought, but I don't really know how to do that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he just says, be strong. If I tell you to be, let me give you an example. If you're standing there, like, here's a better example. Let's say you and I go to the gym together, right? You and I, there we are in the gym. We're hanging out in the pink weights because that's just kind of where we chill. The pink weights, you know what I'm saying? Like, five pounds, five and a half, like, that's good. And then all of a sudden, we, like, walk up the rack and we go to, like, 120s. Like, there's, like, five plates on each side. And you're like, I'm like, hey, curl that real quick. And you're like, oh, yeah, I got a good warm-up with the five and a half. It's like, Let's, yeah, I can curl that real quick. And you pick it up, and you can't pick it up. And I'm just like, hey, be strong. And you're like, huh? I'm like, yeah, just, just be strong and curl it. Just be stronger. Just be strong, buddy. And you're like, what? Like, how, how is that? How are you yelling at me, telling me to be strong, going to actually help me? Lift this. Like, and I'm not talking about being like a good coach and like a hype man and getting you gassed up to do it. That's not what I'm saying. But me just going like, yeah, just be stronger. Just be strong. And, and Paul in this text, he's like, hey, the enemy is going to attack. So just be strong. Just be stronger. God's strong. So you be strong. And you're like, yeah, I get that God's strong, but I'm not God. I'm weak. I, 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 I'm not strong enough. Listen, the idea here is he's saying, God has the strength that you need, so go to God. It's that simple. He, he's saying, be strong, not in your own strength, not try to figure it out, not just, hey, be strong out there, buddy. No, no, he's saying, be strong. God is strong, and he wants you to be strong, and he's going to give you the strength that you need to be strong. And listen, this is the best part. God doesn't run out of strength. God's never going to supply strength to you and then be like, well, um, well, I'm weak now and you need more strength, but I don't have any more to give you. I don't know if any of you guys are football fans, but I'm sure some of you guys follow football. But uh, this past week, there's like some, been some crazy off-season trades happening in football, primarily with the Cleveland Browns. And... Uh, the Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns for the last couple of years have been pretty bad, yeah? Like two seasons ago, they didn't win a game. Like that's how bad they are. But in this offseason, they've got some of like the best players in the league, some would say. So all of a sudden, the Cleveland Browns have gotten incredibly strong. It's pretty crazy. But do you know what happened in order for the Cleveland Browns to get incredibly strong? Other teams had to get weaker. So, like, they picked up OBJ, you know what I'm saying? Odell Beckham Jr., and he came from the New York Giants. Now, the Giants are kind of terrible now because they lost OBJ, right? I mean, they were terrible to begin with. That's besides the point. But they got a lot worse is what I'm trying to say. And I think a lot of times we, we kind of view God like that. Or it's like in order for, for me to get strength from God, God's going to somehow get weaker and he's not going to have enough strength for me in the next situation. God's not like the New York Giants and the Cleveland Browns. God always has enough strength for you. 
And what we have to choose to do, every situation that we find ourselves in, every circumstance, every difficulty, every persecution, every opposition, every, everything that we face, we will find our strength when we go to God. And so we need to make it a routine that we're going to keep going to God to find strength. Listen, this whole book, the book of Ephesians, he's been trying to help us be a better follower of Jesus. Can I tell you very honestly, that's why we're here? We all want to follow Jesus. We all want to have God's best in our life. But there's this reality that as we attempt to follow God, oftentimes we face difficulty emotionally, physically, in our mind, in our heart, with our friends, in our family. All of these things, we face difficulty. And then what happens is the difficulty causes us to go, do you know what? I don't, I don't know if I can keep going. I don't know if I have, I don't have the strength. I don't know if I can say no to another invite to a, to a, a situation where I know I shouldn't be at. I don't know if I have the strength. I don't know if I, can, if I can overcome this temptation one more time. I don't know if I have the strength. I don't know if I can deal with another moment of being depressed. I don't know if I, if I can deal with another time of feeling so anxious that I don't want to get out of bed. I just don't have the strength to do it again. And then Paul says, be strong. Not in your strength. You don't have the strength to do it again. We, we, we can't. But listen, God has the strength. And God will supply all of your needs. God will give you the strength when you go to him and you say, God, I need strength. Help me to overcome this situation. Help me to overcome this fear. Help me to overcome this anxiety. Help me to overcome whatever it is that I'm facing. God, you have the strength. And so we need to learn to keep going back to God.